We are in the middle of a spiritual battle. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? You should. It's real. It began in heaven. God's highest angel decided he wanted to be worshipped. He stood against God. And a third of the angels followed him. And they were overcome. And they were removed from heaven. And they were cast out. And they were placed on this rock called earth. It's a place that God had made for his image bearers. God had placed the people he made in his image, placed them in a garden, and given them the responsibility of taking that beautiful garden and expanding it to cover the globe. So the evil one went into that garden and deceived our race. In that moment, as you read in Genesis 1-3, through we see what happened. We see how we as a race, a people, turned against God and joined the enemy of God. And we've been doing it ever since. We are born with a natural inclination to be our own God, to turn against God. That's what sin is. It's standing against God and joining the enemies of God. But God did not abandon us there. He did not just say, okay, they've made their choice, they can die that way. That's not what God did. Instead, He closed off the garden so that we would not eat of the tree of life and remain in that condition. And He made a promise that He would come and rescue us. He promised that He would come and set us free. And Christ has come, and now we have freedom. We now have hope. And this year, we're learning what that hope is. We're discovering what hope is. And we're working through 1 John, because in 1 John, we see people who are being spoken to by the Apostle John and being told, here's reality, here's what you need to know. Hold to your faith. Hold to the hope that it gives. And we need to understand something. And over the next three weeks, I'm going to bring to light some realities that, that maybe you don't typically associate with hope. And here's what I want you to hold on to, is the fact that hope is intense. When it's real, when it's of God, see, the hope of God empowers us. The hope of God inspires us. It challenges us. It equips us. You know, you think about Ephesians chapter 6 and the whole armor of God. Why did God give us armor? Because we're in a spiritual battle. And our hope is both our defense and our weapon. The faith that we have in Christ gives us hope. And this hope is intense. And it's intended to enable us to fight the fight. In our text today, we come to terms that can create confusion. My prayer today is that there will be clarity. That there will be a sense of the reality of the times in which we live and the opportunity that is ours. And I hope and I pray today that each one of us will embrace this reality. Our text today is in 1 John chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn to 1 John chapter 2. If you didn't bring one, there's one in the pew right in front of you. You're free to use your phone or your, your tablet, your iPad, whatever. And, uh, and turn there. Austin Groves is going to read for us. Austin is one of our uh, summer interns in the high school department. We're excited for him. God, he's already one of our students, already part of our family of faith. And he's going to read for us today. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Again, we're in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Austin, go ahead and read that for us. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. 
Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Let's pray together. Father, let us understand this text. Thank you for the truth that is in it. May we now embrace it, this reality in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. You know, when Christ came into the world to rescue sinners, a new time dawned. A new era dawned. Now, some call it CE, some call it AD, some call it the common era, some, some call it, you know, Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. Whatever you call it, here's what you need to understand. We now date ourselves as a planet according to the time in which God became flesh and came to rescue us. This is a new day. It is a new time. When Christ came, the kingdom of God was released on this planet. That's why Jesus, when he preached, the kingdom of God has come. When Christ came, the kingdom of God came. And when the kingdom of God came in the salvation of Jesus Christ, a new day dawned. This moment that we are living in now, this moment after the death, burial, and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit of God, is a new day. And hear me, this day will not last. This day is limited. But it is a new day. It's a powerful day. I appreciate what Dr. Danny Aiken said in his commentary due to the fact that Jesus has inaugurated the kingdom. John can say with assurance that it is the last hour. It has been the last hour since the Son of God invaded the evil one's domain and dealt him a death blow in the cross and resurrection. Satan has been defeated. Sin has been overcome by the cross. Death has been defeated through the resurrection of Christ our Lord. And now the enemy of God, that once angel of light, who is now the deceiver of all, the devil, his days are limited. And he knows it. He knows it. And so there is an intensity now in this last hour. But hear me. So there is also an opportunity for us. Please hear me. Where we're at right now in the kingdom of heaven is a unique, special time. And when this time is done, when this era is over, we will no longer have some opportunities that we have right now. There are some things that we get to do right now that we won't get to do in the next era. Let me give you four. Don't write them down. Just be mindful of them because I'm really going to focus on the last one. In this hour, we are free to fight off Satan's temptation for the glory of God. I want you to think about something. Every time you're tempted and you choose not to sin, you're basically telling Satan, you're a joke. And you're saying to God, you're right. To the glory of God, every time you defeat Satan, every time you overcome temptation, you're saying to Satan, is that all you got? Bless your heart, as we say in the South, right? And, and, and it's a mocking of the enemy of God. And it's a praise to the glory of God. Secondly, we can rescue sinners from the clutches of eternal darkness. We're not going to do that in heaven. The moment you die, you will no longer have that privilege of standing before those who are doomed to hell and to call them out of the prison. Only now, in this life, in this era, in this time, do we have the privilege of taking the gospel to the people who have not yet believed to tell them of the grace of our God. Third, we get to join God by giving our money, time, and talent for God's kingdom. There's going to come a time when there's a new heaven and a new earth. And all that is will be wrapped up in the glory of God. But see, right now, you, if you so choose, can hide your treasure. You can rob God of your talent. 
you can choose not to invest your time in eternal things. If you want to, you can give your money to temporary things. You can give your time to temporary things. You can invest all of your talents into temporary things. Those things that you cannot keep. Or, right now, like no other time, you can invest in the kingdom of God in such a way that it matters for all of eternity. There's going to come a day, friends, when you're not going to have the privilege to tithe anymore. When you're not going to have the privilege to to sign up and to serve and to go overseas and, and to take the gospel to your neighbor. To your, to your friends, to your ball team. Right now, there's a limited window. And this last one is where I really want us to, to really focus in today. Right now, we have the opportunity to create memories and experiences that will be spoken of in the halls of heaven. Just think about that for a moment. Does God ever talk about you to the angels in the halls of heaven? I mean, in our home, we have pictures of special moments. If you go to social media and you look on my Facebook or my Instagram or, or, or my Twitter, you will see pictures of important moments in the life of my family and me. As a child of God, has God ever tweeted you in heaven? Has God ever taken a picture of you giving financially, serving sacrificially, and said, look, that's my girl? Look, Angel, that's, that's, my, that's my guy. Has he ever created a Facebook post? I, I'm assuming it's in heaven, but let's say, let's say it is. Or in heaven's Facebook, has ever God said, update, check out my girl, serving me right there? Are you talked about in the halls of heaven? Are there pictures of you in the halls of heaven doing the works of God? Taking this very, very precious moment and taking advantage of the opportunity that it gives. I heard a very wise woman once say, you never know when you are making a memory. Some of you have been around for a while. You, you know that's true. You never know when you're making a memory. You never know when what looks like an ordinary day or just another change diaper or just another drive in the car or just another day at work. You have no idea that you're making a memory. I heard that from the lips of Frances Cox. She was one of our founding members. She went to be with the Lord a few years ago. But back in 2004, I asked Frances to to write about what it was like to be a founding member of this church and and what it is that she had seen and and what she saw God doing and what He was going to do. And She wrote this, and she kept that same phrase, you never know when you're making a memory. I'm going to read a portion of it. It says, she wrote, it is almost impossible to know when you are making a memory. There has been and there will be many more milestones, both good and bad, as we plan to move further into our future. The Lord has led Living Hope since 1976, and just as before, but now even more, He is leading, guiding, and directing. As I roll back the curtains of memories, I can see the way we were. I can see how far we have come, and I can see the need to go even further. As He gives us an assignment He will equip us with whatever we need to accomplish it. And as we move forward, may we always remember there is peace and power in in confident prayer and it is almost impossible to know when you are making a memory. Let me ask you, are you making memories that will last and matter for all of eternity? That's what you're designed to do. That's God's design, is that we would live for His glory. That we would live lives that are set apart for Him. That stand in opposition to His enemies. 
and bring delight to Him and blessing to us. That's what the Gospel does. It's what the Gospel is all about. It's what you can see in the picture of the three circles. You know, we know God's design is that we live for His glory, but we know that sin has created brokenness. We know that at birth we're separated from God because of our sin, because of our natural inclination to turn away from God. That's what causes divorce. That's what creates conflict. That's why there's so much sickness. But God has, has, has kept His promise. He's, he's come to rescue us. That's the Gospel. The good news is God didn't abandon us in sin. God took on flesh, lived a holy life. His name is Jesus. He died to pay for our sins. He's been resurrected. He's alive. And so we can repent and believe in Him which will allow us to recover and pursue God's design. And some of you are children of God. And right now, you have been set free to pursue and recover God's design. And if you do that, you need to understand, you are, you are going to live with a hope that is intense. Because the battle, the one we fight against, is intense. We need to understand that God has given His promise that He's going to return. He's going to restore all things. There's going to come a day when the battle will be done. But until that time, we are called to fight with an intense hope. And we need to understand, it is just a brief window of opportunity. This is a very narrow opportunity for us who love God to fight this fight of faith. It's a spiritual battle for hope. It's a spiritual battle of hope. And there's some things that I want to point out to you in our text today and things that I hope will encourage you. First of all, note that the spiritual battle of hope is now in the last days of the story. The Bible is one story, the story of reality. And we're now in the, the last part of this story. And he says, children, it is the last hour. And what a glorious way to be spoken of by God. One of the reasons why we celebrate adoption around here is because it's a picture of what God's done for us. God left the comforts of heaven to go to a faraway land, this world, and at great sacrifice to himself and cost was willing to make children that were not his to make them children of heaven. Every time someone from our family of faith goes to adopt a child, it just, it just thrills my heart because I say to myself, this is what God did. They're doing what God did. They are leaving their life of comfort. And they're going to a faraway land. They're going to a different place. And at great sacrifice and cost to themselves, they are making a child who was once fatherless now a child of a place where they are dearly loved. That's the gospel. And that's what we see. And so he says to us, children, that's what we are. We are adopted children of, of our Father in heaven. But then look what he says. It is the last hour. Satan's time's almost done and he knows it. What happens when the last moments are clicking down in a tight game. What happens in the last bit of a race when it's close? What, what happens when, when this is the last time for the fighter to throw a punch? He's going to throw everything he's got. And that's what the enemy of God is doing. He knows that his time is limited. And so what is he doing? It's the last hour. He's throwing out everything. And I want you to know, he's mad as hell that you're here this morning. He doesn't want you to hear this. Here's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you, first of all, not to be here ever again. He doesn't want you to be in a church where you're going to hear the Bible taught and the name of God praised in song. And if you are here, He wants you to take this message very lightly. 
And He wants you as soon as possible to get back to your life, to worry about what's for lunch, to worry about your bills and your job and all these other pressures and things. He wants you to worry about what's on TV tonight. He wants you to worry about movies and sports teams and all kinds of other things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Those things aren't bad, but Satan wants you to get overwhelmed with them. He wants you to know more about what's going on in the world of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram than what's going on in your Bible. He wants you not to think about this reality. And if you dare do think about this reality, if you dare take this sermon seriously, I want you to understand, He's going to try to distract you. He's going to try to intimidate you. He's going to try to confuse you. He's going to try to tempt you to sin. He's going to try to destroy you. It's a spiritual battle. And I want to remind you that you only have a short amount of time to fight it. Your life is so short. The Bible says it's a breath. You have this narrow window to bring glory to God and fight this fight. The enemy's bringing it. He's coming against you. He's stepping up his game. we got to step up ours in this spiritual battle. Write it down and realize the spiritual battle of hope is about to reveal the adversary of the story. Second part of verse 18 as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. It's interesting to me that John did not feel the need to go into great description about Antichrist. As a matter of fact, he writes it very flippantly. He writes it as though his readers knew exactly who he was talking about. The concept of Antichrist was just an assumed one. Isn't that interesting? It didn't surprise us, though, because the Old Testament is filled with with words that tell us about Antichrist, this one who would come. And again, you know, there's, a, there's all kinds of things that, that people love to get caught up in the details that we can't know. Well, who is it? I thought it would be fun to do a top ten list that somebody taught me out of it. But it had been funny. It been like a Letterman thing. That would have been great. If it had been on YouTube, then we would have had picketers. It wouldn't have been funny then. But we got to understand something. And Antichrist is real. Promised in the Old Testament. He's coming. And the readers that, that John was writing to, they, they assumed it. So, so what is this? What, what is this, this, this word? What is this Antichrist? That's all I want to say about it. Wayne Grudem says it, and, I, and this is all I want to speak to about it. Antichrist, the man of lawlessness that we read about in Thessalonians, who will appear prior to the second coming of Christ and will cause great suffering and persecution only to be destroyed by Jesus. The term is also used to describe other figures who embody such an opposition to Christ and are um, uh, precursors of the, of the final Antichrist. And so we have this personification of evil. We have this one who is going to come and bring destruction before the second coming, before God finalizes and He restores all things. Now, as Antichrist is coming, we need to anticipate more darkness, more pain, more hurt, more hell on earth. And we need to realize that, that with the coming of Antichrist, there, there are other Antichrists. Write it down. The spiritual battle of hope is already experiencing parts of the conclusion of the story. Look, it, it, it says here clearly, Antichrist, as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. There have been and will be many who deny that Jesus is Christ, God is in the flesh. Right now, we are surrounded by secularists who say there is no God. Humanists who say you don't need a God if there is one. And cults who confuse us about who God is. 
We are surrounded by this. We are surrounded by anti-Christ. What are they doing? They're creating delusions. They are promoting darkness. They are creating confusion so that people will no longer really know who the one true God is. So that people will no longer know even what sin is and, and what is right and what is wrong. The work of the Antichrist and the Antichrist is to take what is real and to turn it upside down and create confusion. We see it in our country. We see it all in the West. We see things tolerated on TV that would never have been tolerated just 20 years ago. We now have a, 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 we now have a definition of marriage that no one would have recognized years ago. We, we now have this culture where, where what was once known as wrong is now considered right. And if you dare speak about it, you're intolerant and mean. How has this happened? I'll tell you. Many antichrists have come. And many more are coming. It will get darker. It will become more demanding and difficult to stand for the name of Christ. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we have the intensity of hope to fight it? Do we dare believe what the Bible says, that this world is not our home? See, that's good news to me. I love the fact that this world's not my home. For those of you who are not Christians, I want you to understand something. This is the way I see it. And this is the way Scripture teaches it. If you're not a believer, you need to understand, this world, what's going on right now, this is as good as it gets for you. This is as good as it gets. Some power, some pleasure, some possession, some popularity. This is as good as you can get. You can't keep it, and this is as good as it gets for you. For those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have been adopted in His eternal family by faith, hear me this morning. Hear this. This is as bad as it's going to get for you. And these light, momentary sufferings are not worthy to compare to the glory. Where do we read that? Where is that? That's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This world is not our home. And we have this brief moment to fight for home, to fight for heaven, to stand with a hope, with an intense hope, and to glory in God, to overcome temptation, to share the hope that we have with those who are lost, and to defy Satan. And even as things get darker, we stand as a beacon of light. This is our opportunity. We need to be mindful that judgment is coming. Oh, friends, let this sober our mind. Some of you who are Christians, you're asleep. Wake up. And I don't mean just like right now, but seriously right now, wake up. But in life, in life, some of you, you're missing it. You're so caught up and worried about stuff that doesn't matter. A hundred years from now, the things that are causing you stress and strain, will they matter? Put them in the right perspective then. That doesn't mean you just throw it off and say, oh, whatever. No, you're responsible to God. But don't make this, these things. They're not, they're not eternal things. They're temporary things. They're, they're things that, that won't last. So we need to be mindful that there's a judgment coming. And let this sober us to the reality. Write this down. The reality of the finality of God's judgment. 
and the eternal consequences for every person's sobering. In this, what is potentially could be considered a chiastic poem, he, he ends where he, his, where he began. Therefore, we know that this is the last hour. What does that mean? That means that the judgment of God is getting nearer and nearer. Now, let me tell you what you won't hear out on the street. Let me, hear, let me tell you, and I want, I, want you to, I want to teach you this. I want you to understand this. There are some who create confusion about the reality of God's judgment by making what seems like a, a very reasonable statement. And I've had this statement made to me by many people, very well-intentioned people, who said, I just don't believe a good, loving God would send a good person to hell. And we need to understand something that a lot of people don't understand. There are two teams. There are two armies. God and His enemies. God and His enemies. God's family, God's people, God's team, God's army become His people, His army, by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. There are many good people. When I say good people, I mean, I would say they're, they're just, they're, they're nice. They're, they're, they're very pleasant. They don't mean to cause harm. They're probably better people than some of us. Certainly me. But they're not saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. They're good people, but they're not on God's team. They are not living by faith in Christ alone. They're living by faith in themselves. They're living by faith in a system, in a structure. They, they are not worshipers of the living God. They're worshipers of self. Now, they're nice, but here's what's so sad. They're on the enemy's team. And at judgment, here's what God's going to do. He is going to make real. He is going to make visible. He is going to reveal who's on whose team. That's what God's judgment is. Those who are His will be brought into His home, and those who are not His will be separated from Him in darkness. His home is a place of light and love and truth and joy and peace. Outside of His home, there is darkness and suffering and pain and anger and wrath. And here's what's so sad. Some of you who are nice, good people who are not members of God's family are going to be with Hitler and, and abusive people, murderers, thieves, liars, and Satan himself. Why? Because you're a bad person? No. But because you've not been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and become a member of God's eternal family. And so the question I have to ask you is, whose family are you in? Whose team are you on? Whose side are you fighting for? You need to also understand, having divided us by our teams, our armies, our families, God is then going to judge each team player, each soldier, each person individually. For those who are not on His team, all that they have ever done in opposition to God will be held against them and be pointed out. And you know it's really, really tough. Heaven will, I'm sorry, hell will be worse for those who heard of heaven. 
So if you're not a Christian today, and you die in this condition outside of the family of God, hell's going to be so much worse for you because you're going to remember this sermon. You're going to remember hearing about the grace of God and that you did not receive it. And you will writhe in pain for that for eternity. Children of God, you will be judged by how you fought. Those Facebook and Instagram and Twitter pictures that our Father in Heaven has taken and put up in the halls of Heaven, they will be remembered. They will be spoken of and they will be like a reward to you that God gives so that you can say to all, this is by the grace of God I tithe. This is by the grace of God I shared my faith. This is by the grace of God I was willing to stand for what was true even though I was persecuted for it. This is for the grace and for the glory of God. All that I ever did was because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And we will fall down and we will cry out, holy, holy, holy. Let me ask you, whose team are you on? Whose army are you fighting for? Whose family are you in? If you are not on God's, come get on your knees, repent of your sin, admit it. I sinned. Jesus, forgive me. Take over my life. I want to live for you. If you're a child of God, come get on your knees and say, God, wake me up. I want to serve you. Help me to live as though this is the final hour. Let me live with an intensity of hope and do a miracle in my life, through my life. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, there's an opportunity for some to come and get on their knees and to be saved. They can come and right now join your team. They can be a part of your eternal family. All they need to do is bow their knee to you and admit that they've sinned to ask for your forgiveness, to, to claim Christ as their Savior, to claim that Christ has died for their sin. They believe that. So that this moment on, they're going to live in the power of the living Christ. God, I pray for some of your children who today, they need to come and get on their knees and say, God, let me live with an intense hope. Let me live in the reality of this moment, that this is a brief moment. Let me give. Let me go. Let me speak. Let me stand for the glory of God. As though this is the last quarter, the last minute, the last seconds of the game. And Father, for those who are here today who are concerned about friends and family, they know that are in darkness, that are in enemies of yours. They're on the enemy's team. I pray today as they lift them up and ask you to save them, that you would for your glory do just as they ask. Father, we pray this now and we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen.